and welcome to the PropTech panel. I'm Kylie Dillon and I chair the PropTech Association's West Australian and South Australian Committee. I'm the founder of Real-Time Conveyancer, Technology for Conveyancers, and for some 30 years now, I've worked in conveyancing. Conveyancing also involves multiple stakeholders, processes and tasks, which means there are plenty of great opportunities in there for technology to help us. And there are always plenty of legal documents required whenever you buy or sell residential property. So the topic of the panel today is definitely one that is really close to my heart. We're talking about the intersections of prop tech and legal tech. And just before we get started, on behalf of the Prop Tech Association, I'd like to say a big thank you to the foundation supporters and sponsors, especially REWA, the Real Estate Institute in my very own home state of Western Australia, Stone and Chalk, who are our event partner today, Pexa, who are on today's panel, and Ashurst, who are the principal sponsor of the 2023 PropTech Awards. Entries are now open. We're also very grateful for the support of PropTrack, MRI software, and WebIT list once. Now, here is the PropTech Association's Vice President, Jennifer Harrison, who will introduce our guests and take it from there. Over to you, Jen. Thank you so much, Kylie. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this month's panel. I'd like to acknowledge before we get started that I am currently on Walla Medical land in Sydney, and I would like to welcome and pay respects to all First Nations people who might be joining us today, especially elders past, present and emerging. Every month on the panel, uh, we get three expert guests on to talk about a theme. Today's theme is the intersections of prop tech and legal tech. And I'm very excited to have three amazing women on the panel. We thought for the month of March, with it being International Women's Day, we'd have an all-girl panel. And we're always very excited for that. So I'd like to welcome my three expert guests for today's discussion, starting with Rukshana Sashankan from PEXA. Hello, Rukshana. How are you today? Hi, Jennifer. I'm well today. And I'm joining you from Mianjin land in Brisbane. Lovely. Thank you. And my second guest today is Judith Hammerschlag from Contracts. Hello, Judith. How are you today? Hi, Jennifer. I'm good. Thank you for having me on. And where are you joining us from? I'm joining you from Gadigal land at the moment. Lovely. And my third guest today, who uh, you're on mute, Lara, just letting you know, my third guest today <laughs> is Lara Paholsky from The Law Store. Thank you, Jennifer, very much for having me. And I'm joining you today from Adelaide. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Okay, Rikshana, let me start with you first. For people who don't know, could you start off by saying, please, what does PEXA stand for? What's the name? Is it short for something? Sure is, <laughs> Jen. It's PEXA. PEXA stands for Property Exchange Australia. Okay, perfect. So that probably leads into the next question, which is for people who don't know PEXA, in a nutshell, and I know that's a bit of a tough brief given how, uh, how much breadth and depth PEXA have, but could you try and explain, please, in a nutshell, what does PEXA do? We are, well, PEXA is a world-first online platform that facilitates the lodgement of registry documents and financial settlement through a secure digital settlements room where the parties to a transaction virtually meet. Um, it's integrated as uh, the platform is integrated with state revenue offices and land registries across the country 
which allows the fluid exchange of data and information. And right now, more than 85% of property transactions in Australia are undertaken on PEXA. Wonderful. So in terms of that core like property settlement platform mm -hmm. and that functionality, and that's probably what most people know PEXA for, Sure. What, what's the core problem there that you solve for? Can, can you actually maybe take, maybe this is, is going back. I actually don't know how far back in time we need to go for this. Um, but my very first job, I was a graduate at Westpac and I had to spend a period of time in a branch. And mm -hmm. one day my job was to take a bank check to a settlement. Um, but that's my one and only experience of being in the physical room but yep. can you share with it, what was it like when we had to all get into a physical room? What was it like? And then how have you actually harnessed technology as a solution to make that a digital room? And what are the benefits for everyone? Look, I think, um, yeah, um, lots of lovely questions in there. Um, so I'll start with the core problem. And when I think about the core problem for, the, for PEXA Exchange, um, it really was about and still continues to be solving for inefficiency. Um, and, you know, as we, and I'm sure we'll talk more about today in our discussion is, is that each property transaction has so many moving parts. And not only do they have moving parts like documents and payments and signing, but also so many participants all dependent on each other to ensure settlement occurs when the buyers and the sellers are expecting it to. So if, if we do go way back around sort of 2010, 2011, we started replacing that paper process at which, you know, from time to time when you think about it, and it is arguable at times, but it, it was a time consuming and error prone process where physical documents, like you said, Jen, you know, you were wet signed, mailed around and checks were drawn and you physically had to go into a, 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 a physical settlement room um, and, and exchange documents. At the, the other side. It's yes. Yeah. At the document exchange. Yes. That's right. So we did that. And then we, so what, what PEX has done in, in, in terms of uh, addressing the inefficiency in that process is streamlined it by enabling parties now to collaborate with each other, lodge documents, exchange funds, and complete those transactions electronically, and essentially addressing those inefficiencies of um, time, reducing that time and the cost involved uh, in completing those transactions. And also by doing that, minimizing some of that risk associated with those costs and time delays, um, with errors, delays and fraud. So that was sort of, I would say, the, the PEXA sort of inefficiency, sort of addressing that problem then. But more so now, what we're battling with in terms of inefficiency is, um, is around the multiple systems our customers are using to process a property transaction. It's also the dependencies between the participants in a transaction where we are waiting on each other still, even though it's a virtual space, and also the difficulty of settling some of the more complex transaction types, which are yet to come into scope. So that's where our focus is at the moment, Jen, in terms of our platform, is to continue to bring those efficiencies to our users. Yeah, and some of those dependencies, I think anyone who's been through the process will understand, you're right, those dependencies, there's a whole cascade and there can be interconditionality. And I do remember... I was told I do not let hold of the bank check until the right. bank's solicitor, who was someone I'd never met before, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> until the bank's solicitor gave me the nod. Like, okay. 
it's amazing now that they let a, tw they let a 21 year old graduate do this job. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so how um, it sounds like a really good problem for technology to solve. Um, what might be some people's experiences from a technology perspective of, of PEXA? I think, um, you know, for, for a start, um, part of it is that streamlining um, and we talked about efficiency. The other thing also is from a user point of view, you know, it's a cloud-based platform. So it enables multiple parties to access and exchange information in real time and not, I would say, a technical technological breakthrough by any measure, but a huge improvement on the previous paper process, um, as we've just talked about in terms of an experience. The other one in terms of the way I guess we harness technology is the use of digital signatures to sign documents and financials in each settlement. Uh, we do abide by a very high standard of digital signatures, um, sort of we are gatekeeper compliant in that way. Um, and that also ensures only authorised parties can approve a transaction um, to proceed. Um, and I think the other one also is uh, when we talk about technology and the way we've sort of um, harnessed that for our solution is the integration with other systems. So we do integrate with six land registries for the electronic lodgement component. We've got the revenue offices that we were integrated with for stamp duty, the RBA for those real-time payments, the ATO for their forms, um, and bank payment gateways to ensure that we're offering our users uh, more options in terms of payments. And then we've also got our users who have their own systems that we integrate with. So that's the, I guess that those are the, I guess the ways in which we would say um, uh, the, the various sort of, I guess, experiences of it, the benefits of the exchange when they when when we do have our customers sort of signing in. Mm. It sounds fantastic because for most people, you know, buying and selling property is one of the biggest financial transactions they will ever enter into in in their life. Um, I know also that PEXA has a specific offering for property developers who have this problem at scale, right? They might be releasing 5, 10, 15, 20, 100 or more properties onto the market and they might be all settling within weeks of each other. Can you tell us a bit more about the particular challenges faced by property developers at settlement time how, and how does PEXA help with the PEXA Projects app? Yeah. Well, PEXA Projects um, is definitely, well, it's specifically designed for developers. Um, and the pain points around set settlements for developers that we um, address with PEXA Projects as a solution, um, there's, a, there's a varied range of benefits, but ones I'd like to call out here are the transparency and the pipeline views that developers have with PEXA Projects, where you've got the project status of multiple lots in one dashboard. Um, it's also about the accuracy of reporting that we can provide them for their financiers and there's the real-time payment as well. So they're no longer waiting for those bank checks to clear um, and those are and, and all those for, for us right now from a developer client point of view is, is what we're addressing in terms of their needs. But in terms of like what we're working on as well, it would be good to talk to that as well. We are at the moment looking at um, settlement forecasting and reporting because we've heard from our customers in this segment um, that that is exceptionally crucial to them. Mm -hmm. And that's um, very, very pleased to say that that's what we're going to be focusing on in, in the next coming months. Wonderful. Okay. 
So is that kind of just, is, is that like kind of like a prediction as to what tasks have been completed and where we are in the timeline? Yes. What the team can expect on a, on a rolling basis going forward? Absolutely, yep. So I mentioned before, like for most people, buying and selling property is one of the biggest financial transactions they'll ever experience in their life. These are very large amounts of money that need to move in order to settle. How does PEXA help to safeguard funds from fraud? And you did mention the integration with the RBA, but maybe you could talk a bit more about how do you make sure that that money moves as quickly as possible? So, Jen, it's a... Um... The property is a, I would say in Australia, from what I know, it's roughly now a $10 trillion asset class. And so therefore there's zero tolerance for risk. So the PEXAS system, um, PEXAS system security is aligned with international standards. And we continue to operate by complying with those requirements set by the e-conveyancing regulator who are ANEC. Um, and we are also certified as an ISO 2711, um, sorry, 001, I've got to get that right, an ISO 27001 organisation. Um, and as of today, more than 11 million transactions have been securely, safely conducted on the PEXA platform. So we are a robust, um, in terms of security measures, we provide a very robust uh, 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 protection for our customers and their clients when using the platform. We have the multi-factor authentication process to access this, the system. And we also have for our subscribers, and, and that's who we reference as our customers, our subscribers to the platform, they also have to adhere to a security policy, which sets out those security re requirements for them to adhere to. Um, we know that email can be an insecure means of sharing bank account details and phishing can occur when, you know, um, as a result of those fraudulent payments. So we do recommend that the subscribers and their clients use what we have as a product offering called PEXA Key. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's an opportunity and, and, and a, a way to be able to communicate bank account details securely. And we built that specifically in response to cyber fraud and email phishing. Um, and it links directly with the PEXA platform. And, you know, when I hear stats like that payment redirection scams cost Australian businesses over 128 million in 2020, um, all scams reported surged to 323 million in 2021, according to the ACCC scam watch, that's scary figures. And it's only just, be, it's be, the reality is beyond real anymore for our profession, our industry and our community. So um, I think, you know, yes, we have PEXA key. Yes, we have these the, the the systems in place. But beyond that, um, I think, you know, it's definitely not exclusive to PEXA. And um, we, you know, from our point of view, it's the way in which we do this is to ensure that, yes, we're doing what we can from a security framework point of view and, and securing, um, offering that for our customers, but also to ensure we're working with our industry to heighten the awareness of cybercrime and support them um, as a community to implement those measures where possible. Yeah, someone said to me, it, it, it's not milkshake money that we're talking about here. And if you are a cyber criminal, you know, targeting residential property settlement seems like a no-brainer, right? Because people are moving tens, hundreds, millions of dollars. And yeah. I think it's, um, I believe that the ACCC Scam Watch gets three complaints a week about um, scams in the property industry. 
And that's probably only 10 to 15% of what is actually, you know, what's getting reported is probably just the tip, the tip of the iceberg. So I think it's, it's incredibly important that we all do um, whatever is necessary, even yeah. though multi-factor and all the rest, it, it does seem like, uh, I know for some people, they think it's, you know, it's a pain, they don't understand why they have, they have to do it. Hmm. Um, Rukshana, can you share with us what's coming up on the PEXA roadmap? Are you able to give us a bit of a sneak? Yeah, love, always love to talk about the PEXA. That are coming up? Love to talk about the PEXA roadmap. And um, so one of our major focuses this year are the our APIs. So giving mm -hmm. our customers the ability to directly integrate with PEXA and do their work from their own systems rather than logging into our web portal is going to be a huge efficiency and customer boost. And we recognize this. So we already have a suite of APIs that are more tech savvy for our, um, sorry, we already have a, a, a set of APIs that are more tech savvy customers are plugged into, but we are broadening that scope to, um, to, for, for all of our customers and hopefully encourage them to integrate with us. And so that's work in progress, but what to expect in our roadmap. Um, the other one also that I'm really excited about is um, that we will be looking at delivering mobile signing. So we want to move away from the cumbersome hard tokens being used today to digitally sign documents and financials um, without compromising our high level of security. So, so signing via your mobile phones or mobile provides exactly that. So it's early days yet, but that's, um, that's definitely one that's on our roadmap. And I thought, Jen, it'd be good to sort of probably also talk about um, uh, what we're doing with our um, UK um, expansion as well. So uh, the UK infrastructure is certainly has not been a lift and shift from Australia. And we are building new technology to put together with ThoughtWorks um, for, for the UK. Uh, we, we're following a similar delivery pathway to Australia, beginning with a remortgage, which is a refinance solution. Uh, which we launched last September in England and Wales. We're leveraging the brand new payment scheme. It's called PEXA Pay, which has been built in collaboration with the Bank of England. Um, and we'll be scaling this solution this year, welcoming more lenders. So it's just a little bit of a, I guess, an insight into our UK um, expansion as well. Um, there has been a question put into the Q&A from Stephen. Um, and he's pointed out that Often it's a real estate agent that will take the 10% deposit to exchange the contracts. Is it currently possible for real estate agents to also use PEXA key so they can communicate BSB and account number details securely? Uh, good question and no, it isn't. Um, PEXA key is purely for our customers and customers at the moment, like from our point of view, our customers are the ones who use our exchange. Um, being the lawyers and conveyances. So um, for the, I, there, there is definitely a, um, something there that Stephen's talking about in terms of that need. And, I'm, and um, I can't talk to the real estate market, but yeah, for us, the key, um, PEX the key is definitely for, and all the intention is for our customers being our practitioners and um, lawyers and conveyances. Okay. And Rukshana, um, last question for you before I go and talk to Judith is, what are some of the ways that PropTex can work with PEXA? You've mentioned API integrations, but I'm also aware that PEXA has an accelerator program called PX Ventures. Yep. 
so through our PX Ventures Board, we are always looking for opportunities to explore and enhance the wider property ecosystem for our customers. Um, our product digital growth teams are currently actually working with some amazing startups. Um, and I thought, uh, you know, we, we did talk about property developers previously. So just talking about sort of how we're working, I guess, some examples of how we're working with some startups, wonderful startups, uh, one of them being OPEX. So off the plan contract solution for lawyers and conveyances, developers, real estate agents and financial institutions. Um, we also partnered with Value Australia. So when large developers need to understand an estimate value creation, um, value creation impact for developments or infrastructure projects, we're working with them to offer a, a more, more enhanced solution for our developer customers. There's also Landchecker. I'm sure some of um, some, you know, um, you know about the partnership with Landchecker, but um, more specifically for what it um, what that means for our developer customers as well is, is that we're taking out that sort of time consuming research around sourcing and consolidating information from multiple sources um, and also just sort of um, enabling them to be able to assess project feasibility, identifying potential development opportunities, et cetera, with Landchecker. So yes, um, those are just a few of um, several uh, startups that we've partnered with uh, to enhance our offering to our customers. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Rikshana. That's a lot. We'll come back and have a, um, a chat later. But uh, now, Judith, let's have a talk about contracts. Can you start off, please, by giving us your elevator pitch? <laughs> the elevator pitch, sure. Um, so contract sits at the other end uh, to PEXA, which is at the contract review amendment uh, point in, uh, in buying property. So right at the beginning, when you find a property that you like on the weekend and the agent gives you the contract and you've got to go get it reviewed by your conveyancer and lawyer, um, that's where we sit. Um, so we've built some tech that you can upload your contract directly to our website and then we will review the contract within 24 hours of a tech-based platform. Um, and our product is for lawyers and conveyancers to use, um, as well as consumers who can, who can head directly to our website. Um, so we built contracts because of um, the pain point, essentially, that we were finding as lawyers, uh, convincing lawyers in this very specific part of buying property at that contract review stage. So can you tell us a little bit more about the problems? As you mentioned, often yeah, you might go and inspect a property. It might yeah. be on your list of possibles. Yeah. You might not know whether you're going to put in an offer or bid at auction. But yeah. one of the things you know you should do is due diligence is, oh, yeah, I suppose I better have someone who's got a, you know, a legal qualification look at this contract. <laughs> um, what are some of the things that, that people should, you know, what can come up as part of that review of the contract? Can you tell yeah. us a little bit more about the problem that you're solving for there? Sure. So I think one of the problems uh, in the process, um, before I talk about the risks of the actual contract, is that in the property market in Australia, especially in the big cities, the speed at which the market moves is just crazy. Um, so you're dealing with big assets, big risks, as you say, um, the, the biggest financial decision that, um, that most people will make in their lives. Um, and the legal nitty gritty is caught up in this contract um, that is actually of you know, huge importance. Um, so the things to look out for in a contract, I guess, are the commercial risks, which is what our tech will pick up. Um, so 
you know, there's there's um, risks that there might be an easement running. This is so very technical, but there's an easement running through the property in the backyard, which means that you won't be able to bring, build a swimming pool. So you've got to adjust your price at auction to say, look, this is going to be a house without the swimming pool, things like that. Or if there's a risk, um, we were talking about deposits at agents before. Um, so it's always a risk that if a deposit uh, gets released to a vendor, and they default on the purchase that um, you might lose your deposit. Um, so things like that, those are the, the bits and pieces that we pick up in the contract um, for lawyers and conveyances and purchases alike. And so how are you using it, technology as the solution there? Yeah, sure. So the old school way of getting a lawyer to um, look over your contract is just too slow. Um, so you used to, at one point in time, have the opportunity to find a property in a really, uh, in a really uh, slow and, um, and thoughtful manner and then find a lawyer and um, send it off and do an engagement letter and everything else. If you do that in certain parts of Australia now, the property's been already been sold five days before you've you know, got your lawyer looking over the contract. So the engagement of the conveyance and lawyer is really quick because you can just upload the contract directly to contracts um, and then it gets picked up for review very quickly. So that's the first, just the onboarding, the onboarding part uh, of, that we use technology for. And, this, and then also to tackle the actual nitty gritty of the legals in the contract. Um, so we did a huge amount of research on how lawyers and conveyances are actually reviewing contracts. And we, we, it resulted in like some really interesting findings as the lawyers that print out contracts. There's the conveyances that have five screens. Um, so we hyperlink clauses to the parts of the contract so that everyone can really understand what they're looking at in the contract um, and check against uh, what's actually in it, as opposed to saying clause five says here, you can click on clause five and, and see what it actually says. Um, so that's our tech. And then also the amendment request. So this is another big risk area in conveyancing, especially in the residential market, is when requests go out um, on a contract, you want to go buy a property at auction on Saturday and you need to ask for a 10-week settlement or clause 5 be removed. Um, the way that amendments are made to contracts, uh, it, to, to say it really bluntly, is pretty risky and very clunky. So we've put that all on platform so that anything that is requested and agreed to will automatically form part of an appendix that whoever is handling the exchange can just attach to the contract and get the parties to sign, which means that it's done in a legally sound manner. Okay, great. Now, you mentioned before you are both B2B and B2C. Your yeah. platform's available to conveyances and lawyers as well as direct to consumers. Can you talk a bit more? How are you actually approaching, you know, getting your clients going to market? Do you have an ideal client? And a question's come up in the chat. Someone would like to know: Are you um, live in all states across Australia? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good questions. Um, so we are. Um, we started with the beast, which is New South Wales, um, which probably has the most hectic of markets um, speed around Sydney. So we are, um, we are live now in New South Wales and the ACT and we're hopefully um, rolling out the tech into the other states and territories um, sometime this year. 
um, uh, your other question was how do we what's our um we'll our go to market. Yep. yeah yeah sure so the so buyers um we are finding um sorry consumers are finding us naturally um they're looking for someone to review their contract and they're looking to take action um, straight away without having to make phone calls especially the younger market um so they're finding us quite naturally um, the B2B market um, has been very, very, very interesting. Um, so there are a lot of people handling conveyances and it's very different profiles. Um, you've got uh, single conveyances um, who um, are sole practitioners um, and they are using us for a support essentially. So we're like their outsourced paralegal. And then you've got the bigger firms that are using us who can see that they can get sort of some economies in um, in their practice. Um, so we're just seeing the whole range of, of people using it. But it's reassuring um, that this is, a, you know, as Luciana was saying before, settlements have always been a massive pain point for um, conveyances and lawyers. And I have that also, that experience of being shouted at in a settlement room and holding checks and running down to the bank and, you know, doing all that. Where we sit is also another huge pain point for practitioners and purchasers, um, and that's right at the front end of when you're starting to look at buying property. And a question also has come up from the chat. So you're, are you focused just on the contract review? Or, and this might lead into another question, which is going to ask you what's coming up on your product roadmap. Sure. Are, are you potentially sure. trying to expand into other parts of the settlement value chain, or are you just thinking you're going to focus on the contract review part? Sure. Um, so the contract review, um, the contract review is quite, um, is where, where we're focusing at the moment. Um, but we are now in the contract negotiation stage as well, which is also quite time pressured and risk. Uh, um, it, it's quite low with risk. Um, and then the exchange uh, part of the process, that's when, you know, the contract review and amendments all flow on. So that's where we're sitting at the moment between um, contract review and exchange. That's really our, where we sit currently. And what kind of feedback are you getting from, you know, for example, that, you know, sole suburban conveyancing practitioner or lawyers, yeah. lawyers yeah. or consumers? Yeah, so um, we are getting people are people are shocked um, that we have tackled this really really hard legal nitty gritty of the um, of the the industry and the and the process um, because it just is such high risk. Um, but we've got had an amazing team of lawyers um, and we've seen a huge amount of contracts come through our system now. Um, so we 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 you know feel confident that we can really tackle the bad clauses and the bad easements and and all the the technical parts of buying a buying a property um we um i guess we're a market first um so the conveyances um have yeah we've we've been met really warmly um as a sort of a, a legal team an outsourced legal team for for small time conveyances um, and the purchasers like us because they like the, you know, they don't want the old school lawyer engagement. They want to just move quickly. And also if their lawyer, look, lots of people have um, huge loyalty to their lawyers um, fairly. So they've got um, family lawyers. If their lawyer is unavailable, they can still use us for this part of the process and then engage their lawyer when they've got time. But if, it, you know, if an auction's happening in an hour or it's a Sunday bid, um, we're, we're around for that. Mm. 
that. Um, what's coming, uh, what's to say, a couple of questions have come up in the chat. Sure. Um, someone has asked, do you have real lawyers who, who get involved in reviewing the contract? And someone else has asked, how does it work in terms of the liability of the conveyancer or the solicitor to their client if they're outsourcing certain parts of their their job to you? Yeah, that's all, all, all good questions. So we are a legal team. Um, we are a legal team sitting in Sydney. Um, we're all lawyers, um, and we've and but we've got a team of paralegal and conveyancers, but all locally based, which is really important for us um, uh, to be locally to have a local team. Um, now we, um, yes, yeah, so we, we have legal liability and insurance because we're, we're all lawyers um, as well and we're actually an incorporated law firm. However, we're not taking away the role of the conveyancer. Um, a con we basically still provide, we, we provide the framework for a conveyancer to speed up their processes and review the contract for their clients. So how our tech works is a conveyancer or a buyer will upload the contract and we will provide some suggested comments based on what we found and then the conveyancers and lawyers can modify it and check what we've done and send it off. So, um, look, we take, you know, if you, we, we understand that this is a, a huge area of responsibility that we've, um, we've tackled and we don't take that, that, that role lightly, um, but there's always going to be a role for the conveyance and the lawyer to, to check and amend and modify and make it customise the framework to, um, to what their clients' needs are. And other than you mentioned, you might be um, getting involved in applying your technology into contract negotiations. Yeah. Is there anything else that's coming up on your product roadmap? Um, I think not really, um, apart from, you know, attacking the negotiations and the exchange. Um, it's very interesting um, to see what data we're getting on the clauses um, and what's in contract. So that's quite interesting. And hopefully at some at some point we can automate certain and 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 bring in some sort of automation of of, of some of the um, of the contract, um, the clauses, a bit of AI. Um, that's very interesting to us, which we're yeah, we're we're taking a close look at as well. Okay. And final um, question for you, Judith, and then I'll move on to Lara. Someone has asked, as you mentioned, you're obviously getting to see a lot of contracts yeah. and a lot of clauses and lots of different ways to essentially attack the same you know, purpose of documenting a property sale and purchase. Um, someone has asked, do you pass any of this information on to any third parties? Um, no, uh, no, not at all. Um, we haven't. Yeah, no, we, we just, um, we, this, in the, uh, look, I think a lot of our data would probably bore people. <laughs> Clause five means, you know, X or a drainage diagram. Um, so, but no, it's, it's all, it's all kept into in the internal team. Uh, but look, it is interesting to 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 be getting the data on um, on what is in your conveyancing contract in 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 the states and in New South Wales in particular. Um, it's a it's quite a small area of law, um, but there are a huge and you know Shana could tell you there are a huge amount of practitioners doing conveyancing. Um, so whilst it's a small area of law, uh, there's quite a varied range of of practitioners and clauses in a, in, a, in a standard conveyancing contract. Thank you so much, Judith, for telling us about contracts.
Thank you. Lara, let's have a chat about the law store and live sign. So my first question to you is also give us your elevator pitch. Okay. Um, so our product or main product being LifeSign, we are operating at the intersection of digital signatures and verification of identity. So if I can just take a quick step back to give some background to that, in the move to, if we think about digital uh, documents getting signing, digital signatures, um, I feel the industry has been very quick to adopt that and there's some great technologies out there. We have developed our own. But in the move to digital, the whole premise of digital signing, the whole premise of the, the core fundamental um, premise of witnessing actually got somewhat lost along the way. So while we know that someone might write, as an example, Lara, they've signed that digital, that document digitally, we don't actually know anymore who's behind the device. And that's where we saw a gap in the market and where we've combined bringing digital identity or simultaneously making sure we're doing that and giving practitioners the tool to do that at the time their consumer is signing a digital document so that you can know with absolute certainty who is signing that document and who is in control of the device. Mm. And that's where we saw a real gap. We didn't think there was um, anyone, and we were first to market, to actually combine digital signing with real-time uh, verification of identity so that you knew who your signer was. So can you tell us a little bit more about how do you go about that digital verification of identity and how are you using technology to bring this solution? Yeah, so we've built our, good question, thanks, Jen. We've built our own digital signing technology and then expanded that out to specific use cases. So I'll, I'll give what I think is a relevant example here today. If we think of a client authorization form, which Lukshana and Judith will be very familiar with as well, um, which gives a legal practitioner authority to deal or act on behalf of a consumer, we have a workflow whereby you can send that out to the client or a, a conveyance or a lawyer, real estate agent, whoever might be sending one of those out um, to get that digitally signed using our signing technology. And at the precise point of signing, the consumer, after they've done that, it almost goes into a pending stage where we then actually kick into doing a real-time verification of identity. So we'll get that, that person or the consumer to go and get their passport, license, and, and we drill down through the categories of ID, uh, which are compliant with ARNIC or e-conveyancing regulator, which Shana touched on earlier. We'll drill down through the categories of ID, if someone hasn't got a passport, go down to license, license, et cetera, to make sure that they meet a category of ID. They'll go and get their license and passport and capture images of that. Then they'll take a selfie, will biometrically match their facial features against the government-issued ID. Uh, and then once that's done, that's finished from the consumer's point of view and the legal practitioner or bank, uh, any of our clients will then be notified to say the clients finished their verification of identity signing and they'll receive a simultaneous or correlating pack of a verification of identity report um, to review along with the signed uh, documents with correlating transactional codes to ensure that they are tied together and we're done in the same same transaction. Fantastic. So can you tell us a little bit more about how, how are you going to market? Who do you have an ideal client? Are you I mentioned are you mostly B2B? You're focused on the solicitors and conveyances out there? 
Yes, we very much are, Jennifer. We are B2B, uh, much like what Judith was talking about before. We, um, my sweet spot, I've spent, you know, a decade in legal tech. So that's been very much a focus for us in the legal and conveyancing uh, well, we've got also very much focus on financial and property and real estate industries because um, there's some obviously huge risk points there of signing documents for large sums of money and, and people are, you know, not sure who's actually signing those documents when they receive them back. Um, so that's been a really key focus for us to focus on, again, financial, legal, uh, conveyancing property and real estate industries. Um, and we're looking to expand um, beyond those as well. Mm. Um, Laura, a question's come up in the chat. Someone's wondering, do you uh, do you kind of store any of these ID details such that the same signatory could just sign again? Um, or maybe that defeats the purpose of actually knowing exactly who's signing every time a document is signed? Yeah, we um, basically what we're doing is we're providing a tool for each transaction um, that's being undertaken to get the document signed and conduct a correlating verification of identity. Now, it's up to the firm or the client if they would like to rely upon that again. In the world of commences and lawyers, a verification of identity, um, that data actually, there is a requirement, um, funnily enough, still to, to store that for seven, a minimum of seven years. Um, and if it is a repeat client, they can actually refer to that verification of identity report again. Um, in terms of signatures, we're not certainly not encouraging people to be using that over again. And I think, you know, with recent data hacks, Jennifer, I think people have very much moved away from just relying on old verification of identity uh, reports and old documents. What, you know, it's something we're working really hard on to educate the industry. We are imploring them, um, you know, to think about how they're storing data and not taking that risk on themselves. We are you know, please choose a partner, whether it's someone else or us, um, to do that for you. And in light of, you know, Medicare, um, you know, Optus, Latitude Financial, even this week, we're seven, I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, 7.9 oh, million. It's millions of driver's license details. Yes, 7.9 million, I think incident. it was. Yep. Yeah, Australian and New Zealand uh, driver's licenses have um, been stolen or the data compromised. So in light of even back at, uh, Optus and Medicare, what we have done and moved very quickly to do is we have, we're now actually providing practitioners. So we store the data so they don't have to take that risk on. They can do it if they want to, but again, we encourage them not to and we make it accessible at all times to them. But we've actually um, redacted the personal identifiable information within our verification of identity reports um, so that if something was to get stolen or um, an identity identity hacker was to get in, um, the, the the record of having done the VOI is actually there, but there's no of the personal data being compromised that it's near and useless to ident an identity uh, theft. Got it. Yeah. Um, what kind of feedback are you getting from the market? Um, we're, well, certainly in terms of how quickly we've moved to redact some of that data and providing solutions around that um, without them having to compromise having accessibility, um, we're actually getting great feedback. I don't think many have moved quickly to do that uh, in our space, Jennifer. Um, but they, you know, if we look at the real estate industry, some of, the, you know, agents are in a really difficult 
position where they're being asked to get uh, their client's identity data and store it and yet, you know, there's all these, um, you know, identity hacks and theft going on. So they're always being compromised. Store this, capture this, you know, without necessarily having all the big systems that Medicare or Optus will have to, um, to manage it. No, not at all. I mean, the real estate industry is actually a very fragmented industry. If you think of the people that you will encounter or may have encountered when you're buying and selling real estate, your mortgage broker, your conveyancer, your real estate agent, are probably just a local, you know, small business. Very much. Yeah. And that's why we're imploring everyone to, yeah, don't take the risk on yourself. As I said before, if you can, whether it's us or someone else, don't, don't carry that risk um, and put yourself and your client and um, yourselves and your brand identity yourselves at risk um, or company reputation. Um, partner with some experts who have actually taken the time and invested in the money, technology and security um, t- for you to make your legal or compliance obligations and yet not um, be risking or having to risk any of the or compromising uh, storage of that data. Fantastic. And what's coming up on your product roadmap? Are you able to share any sneak peeks with us? Uh, Yes. So we've got some specific user cases, as I mentioned before, that we've already built out for the mortgage industry, um, for signing digital and secure uh, signing of mortgages, um, ECAF, which is our client authorisation form solution. And then we're looking to build out that for other industries or some other use cases as well, specific to various industries and we are actually also looking to expand beyond the shores of Australia um, with our I didn't mention before Jen but we've actually we actually extract the data from a passport added the chip in the passport most providers um, will just take a photo of the uh, passport page we actually extract it out of the raw data at the chip in a passport which gives us coverage in just over 100 countries around the world. Um, So we feel we're well-placed to operate globally. And in fact, we already are from the shores of Australia, Um, but it's now just whether we actually set up, um, you know, go beyond the shores and set up a presence overseas. Amazing. Thank you so much for telling us about LifeSign, Lara. Um, If anyone does have a question for anyone on the panel, uh, please do use the Q&A or chat facility. Um, I might just throw around a couple of general um, questions now. Um, Rukshana, I know uh, we were in in preparation for this. You said this um, panel had caused you to think a little bit about, you know, what are the intersections of prop tech and legal tech and maybe what is the sweet spot of the intersection there? Um, Would you like to share a little bit more about what your thoughts were, please? I'd love to, um, Jen. I think... uh... My personal background is um, property law. So I've come from a lawyer, like a, I was a lawyer in before joining PEXA. And I was very fortunate to have um, lots of, a couple of actually lawyer, really good lawyers who also had a very tech savvy background. So I've, I really saw um, the benefit of the knowledge of property and technology um, for a practice and how that sort of you know, really sort of benefited the operations as well as the overall customer experience. And then moving into PEXA and looking at PropTech and just bringing those two together from, because I was also a PEXA customer before moving in. So I've been very passionate about how to see the way those intersections do work. And more and more as, um, you know, I've been now with with PEXA for six odd years and 
learning a lot from the industry and from the um, wonderful people here on this panel as well. What we can see is, is that uh, regardless of what the technology is, whether it is in the actual legal space or in the prop tech space, we are solving human problems and those solutions really need to be underpinned by a real genuine commitment to continue to go back to our target markets. So to our genuine customers and those that really require that. And I think from personal experience from, from myself, you know, we, we can say that we do listen to our customers. Sometimes we can be over ambitious and overreach. Then we've got to pull back and work that out. And that's that fine line in those intersections of going, yes, we do want to conquer the world and make sure we can give all absolutely everything to our customers. But at what um, and and but what is that position and what is our ultimate responsibility in in the space that we play and um, you know and and how how we go about that. So yeah, I'm 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 keen to hear from Judith and Lara on that as well. But I just think you know from that sort of human element aspect, um, we've got some amazing customers across the you know and industry um, that we access to be able to make sure that we're sort of on point in relation to that. And, then, and I guess one more thing also is, is the empathy. Um, it's not something that we've definitely created more of in, um, in PEXA is sort of empathy journeys and, you know, creating the opportunity for our product team to have um, more connection with our customers to understand what that empathy journey is in their, in their actual process of property to see whether we do have those solutions that we can play, like sort of play back to them to say, does it actually solve the need for, from an intersection point of view of property and tech. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting to see, or it will be interesting to see with legal tech, a, a lot of prop tech initially was aimed at real estate agents. It was aimed at helping real estate agents be more efficient and get more done during the day. It wasn't initially aimed direct at the consumer, but now the consumer prop techs are coming up behind that and are offering their technology direct to consumer and as some of them are actually now trying to disrupt real estate agents, actually, they're trying to offer alternative, you know, listing platforms and sale direct by, by seller. I think it will be really interesting to see with legal tech, how that evolution goes. And I know PEXA, you're already enabling, you know, some of um, like in PEXA key, I think the, the seller and buyer can go in directly and see, you know, the timeline of their transaction. And Judith, you said that your um, service is available direct to the consumer as well. I'm just wondering, Judith, are you seeing any particular differences in those two markets, in the professional market versus the consumer market? Um, yeah, that's a uh, really interesting question. I think that um, I think that the the problem that we're tackling for both of those markets is um, the speed and the risk inherent in uh, we, where we sit is mainly residential property. Um, and those problems are um, for the buyer who is getting pressured to put in offers, um, as well as the lawyer who is getting pressured by the buyer to put in, you know, to review the contract to put. So those pressures are, are exactly the same. So I'd say speed and risk. Um, but I, I think for the conveyances um, and lawyers, um, you know, as we were talking, um, uh, unfortunately, I think the risk is getting um, bigger and bigger. Um, and so if there's any tools that you can use, you know, um, to, to mitigate your risk um, as a conveyance lawyer, that's going to flow onto the buyer. So it's all sort of interrelated, the, the two markets. Mm. 
and I'll just stick with you, Judith, and then I'll come and ask each of you in turn. So just a little bit curious personally, because yeah. um, you're all qualified lawyers. You've all got a background as you know, legal practitioners, managing those files, managing those timesheets. What was it that made you decide to take the leap into the world of legal tech, Judith? There's probably some insanity in all in all of us <laughs> leaving nice uh, cushy uh, law jobs to do it. Um, uh, but look, I think you know um, the beauty of all of us is that we have actually lived out those problems, and I don't think you can build a successful product that people are going to want unless you really know what that pain point is. And to stick very much to that, like to to your stick to your lane of what you know. Um, and I just think that that expertise and that um, you know that that firsthand experience of some pain point of how you can do do it better um, is absolutely imperative for companies like ours. Um, so we know what our market is, we know what the problem is, and we're doing our best to solve that specific problem. Okay, and. Um... Lara, what was what was was there a particular trigger or a particular uh, moment of clarity you had when you decided to come into technology? Uh, absolutely. Funnily enough, unlike um, Judith Rukshana, I actually came out of a media and corporate communications background. So um, I have brought a completely different lens to it, and my uh, husband um, had. Uh, has a, a conveyancing background um, and a conveyancing firm and if approximately 10 years ago wanted to build a digital verification solution for what would be just his own firm um, and it ended up growing into more with the likes of PEXA and others coming to us to say we should consider taking that or to him further abroad and outside of his company. So we started our own digital verification company approximately 10 years ago. Um, and, you know, we were speaking another language back then, um, trying to get people to digitise verification of identity. But that was a decade ago on very early days with the likes of PEXA, et cetera. Um, and then I've since obviously moved into this uh, company here at the law store. Um, so it was accidental and, again, took a really big risk to leave what was a very comfortable job to go in and, and build that startup off literally off a kitchen table, which we did and grew it to be into one of the big major three verification identity solutions at the time. Um, and, yes, now I'm here at the law store. I've been here approximately two years. Great. And, Rukshana, what was your moment of clarity? To join. Uh, moment of, yeah, I think uh, for me it was uh, the um, sort of where seeing the opportunity around what um, the because in my space in law it was all around the innovation space like we were really creating our own sort of CRMs, um, our own software, and so that was the way like we were a pretty um, I was in a firm that was quite high volume in property, so that's what we did. So to me, it was more about that extension of going, where can we take this and what that enablement does and engaging with my peers um, to say, look, this is really awesome stuff here, technology. We should be all onto this. And I just, um, it was, it, I, I don't know if it was a moment of clarity or um, yes, uh, whether it was just, it was time to lean into something different. It was a moment. <laughs> it was a moment. I don't know if it was clarity, Jen, but yeah, no, I, um, and I think the the it was certainly the empathy that I brought to PEXA, I would say, in being able to go back to our customers and say, I've been there, I know exactly what you're doing and how you're feeling, 
and let's work on this together. And that's just been really, for me, it's been, um, it's the best part of what I do. So very much, very much appreciate it. Yeah, I know with, with founders or with anything in technology, that, that empathy or uh, like the founder's personal passion to solve the problem is absolutely a secret source, in, in, in my opinion, to the future success of a venture. Well, I think we are coming up for time. Um, so that's been a fantastic discussion. Thank you so much for joining me to talk about PropTech and legal liaisons leaning into the intersections. Uh, Rukshana, how can people connect with you personally and how can people find out more about PEXA? Please, I'm on LinkedIn, so you can personally um, reach me um, or on um, directly through PEXA and then we um, we have all of our details on our website so pexa.com.au. Perfect and can people also sign up for the Property Now yes. newsletter on the website? Yes you can I'd be in trouble for not actually promoting that one Jen. so yeah <laughs> you've got uh, the Property Now and Property Insights reports that you can as you just uh, sort of search up uh, PEXA Property Insights um, they're um, subscriptions that you can have for free so yes absolutely thank you and judith how can people connect with you personally and also find out more about contracts sure um i love connecting with people personally i probably do it a bit too much so i'd love any, anyone who's interested to reach out um also on linkedin and if you're based uh in in sydney um you can always stop by and i'm always happy to have a coffee um and otherwise contracts is um is online um so you can um, hit up our website and we've got a team to answer any questions as well um yeah that's us okay thank you judith and lara Look, girls, I am on LinkedIn, love connecting with people, whether it be in person or via LinkedIn. So please, by all means, reach out to me on there. And also, uh, we have a website, live-sign.com, um, that's supported by a great uh, customer support team as well. Perfect. Well, thank you very much to Rukshana Sashankan from PEXA, Judith Hamishlag from Contracts, and Lara Paholsky from The Law Store and LiveSign for joining me today. If you are not already aware, entries for the PropTech Awards 2023 are open. They will close on the 9th of May. And on next month's panel, I will be interviewing some of last year's winners to maybe pick up some tips and tricks on how you can make the finalists and be a winner for this year. So look out for details, please, on our LinkedIn. Please follow if you don't already. And if you go over to the PropTech Association website, you can also subscribe for our newsletter. Following us on LinkedIn and subscribing for the newsletter are the best way to stay up to date with our events. Thank you very much for joining me today and see you next month.